BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And welcome to The Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. Thanks for joining us. It's Monday, March 8th, 2021, and the federal government has spoken. Maybe I should do this in a godlike voice since the federal government has become like a fake god to so many Americans today. So how about this one? The CDC has come out with new guidelines on the COVID vaccines. Listen to us. We speak with ultimate authority. Anyhow, that's my best godlike impression. Uh, that, that's right, folks. A new medical guidance from the CDC today where they now say how fully vaccinated people can interact with non-vaccinated people. Isn't that so nice that the federal government now telling us how to behave because they, of course, know what's best. We're going to have the details. Plus, another day, another sexual harassment victim comes forward against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. I mean, look, this is no laughing matter, uh, but this joke that I'm about to tell sounds appropriate. How many scandals does it take to put out the light bulb for good in Cuomo's office? I mean, seriously, you would think maybe one scandal like, I don't know, nursing home deaths but no, no, we're up to what now? Five, six, seven, I've lost count. <sighs> we're going to discuss. And your federal tax dollars hard at work. Stimulus COVID-19 economic stimulus checks will be going out soon. And guess what, folks? Democrats plan to give them to inmates. Lovely. And someone hand me a bottle of Tums while we're at it. But first, we begin with the new guidance from the CDC. Here's what they're saying when it comes to how vaccinated people should interact with other vaccinated people and how they should interact with the UVPs, that is the unvaccinated people. Let's play it. The first scenario is fully vaccinated people visiting with other fully vaccinated people. In this slide, these individuals are represented by solid green circles. In this scenario, CDC recommends that fully vaccinated people can visit with other fully vaccinated people in small gatherings indoors without wearing masks or physical distancing. Remember here, we are talking about private settings where everyone is vaccinated. So what does this mean? If you and a friend or you and a family member are both vaccinated, you can have dinner together wearing masks without distancing. You can visit your grandparents if you have been vaccinated and they have been too. Now, I wanna to talk to you about another more complicated scenario. It involves vaccinated people visiting with unvaccinated people. When fully vaccinated people visit with unvaccinated people, we have to consider the underlying risks of the unvaccinated people and any unvaccinated members of their household. We take this approach because all of our guidance is rooted in making sure we are keeping people safe. So CDC recommends that fully vaccinated people can visit with unvaccinated people from one other household indoors without wearing masks or physical distancing, as long as the unvaccinated people and any unvaccinated members of their household are not at high risk for severe COVID-19 disease. Did you get all that? Let me put on my glasses. Really? That's what I want to do. I just want to look like this the rest of the show. 
Anyhow, this is the America we're up in. This is, the, this is the America we live in now. I mean, you have the VPs, the vaccinated people, and the UVPs, the unvaccinated people. Like, we don't have enough division in America. Uh, you can get more details on all this by going to the JTN website, justthenews.com. All right, now to Andrew Cuomo. A quick question. Where in the world are all the liberal feminist groups with their calls for Cuomo to resign? Did I miss something? Was I sleeping too much over the weekend? I want to bring in Jenny Beth Martin, co-founder of Tea Party Patriots. Uh, Jenny, thanks for being here. I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, David. Jenny, so, so what's your message to these feminist groups that have essentially run away from this story? Well, you might be a little bit surprised by my message, but unlike what these these feminist groups are doing, I try to maintain some intellectual honesty. So if I say one thing applies to one group of people, I try to make sure it applies to the other. Good. And I, I, I think due process the rule of law and a jury by your peers, not in the court of public opinion, is all, those are all very important precepts for our government. And I think that they applied to Kavanaugh and they also applied to to Cuomo. So I'm not somebody who who's going around calling for for his resignation from from on high. What I think is very interesting is that the left doesn't apply that same kind of standard. They were okay calling for Kavanaugh to step down and not to be confirmed to the United States Supreme Court. But now when it comes to Cuomo and it's woman after woman after woman after woman with various allegations, they're completely silent. It's it's completely and totally hypocritical. And they look for rules that they want to apply to Republicans, but they don't want to live by under those same rules for their own candidates and own elected officials. A hundred percent agree. And that's exactly the position that everyone should take, which is a consistent position, which is interesting, Jenny. I mean, that's, that's been the story of your uh, career as it relates to politics and activism, which is that, you know, you want fiscal discipline. You don't care if they have an R next to their name or a D next to their name. I mean, that, that it's, it's about consistency. And it is. It's about consistency. And it's and honestly, at the end of the day, I want the Constitution to matter. And that's why the rule of law matters. It's why we we want jury, a timely jury, a, a timely trial by a jury of your peers, not a court of public opinion and certainly not a court of public opinion decades and decades after some allegation happens. These are important. It's these are the foundations, foundational blocks of our government, and they work regardless of what political party you affiliate with. What we're seeing right now is that the the left tries to rewrite the rules, and they try to rewrite the rules for a group of people that they don't like, but they don't want those new rules to apply to their their own people. Yeah, and speaking about what they're writing, they're now writing this huge COVID nineteen stimulus bill. Uh, my, my goodness, $1.9 trillion. They've done this on budget reconciliation, so much for unity. Uh, and, and now we understand tucked inside of this bill, there's a lot of stuff tucked inside this bill. I want to get your overall reaction to the bill itself. But even tucked inside of this uh, have to do with uh, inmates getting checks. I mean, literally, there was an amendment that was introduced by Bill Cassidy, a Republican, and Democrats, in essence, voted against it. No, no, no. We, we're okay with inmates having stimulus checks being sent out. This is unbelievable. It, it 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 doesn't surprise me at all. They think that I guess they think money 
grows on trees. I, um, they just keep spending and spending and spending. We just had a COVID relief bill that was passed, enacted into law in December. They're giving more money to schools, even though these schools haven't finished spending money from December. They are giving money to blue states to help bail out blue states for the financial problems that they had before COVID ever was even on our radar at all. And money to inmates. It just keeps going and going and going. It really seems to me that they're punishing the states who did what they did the right thing and found a way to balance the severity of this unknown virus, COVID-19, with our rights and our freedom and the ability to put food on your table for your families versus the states who locked everything down, infringed on people's rights and lives, and um, drove the fear up in this country, where those, those states are getting the benefit of the other states like Georgia and Florida and South Dakota and other states that found a way to keep their businesses going and keep on working. Jenny, we, we know about the COVID stimulus uh, uh, bill here, but uh, the Democrats have a, a few others in the hopper, including their big one, this H.R. 1 uh, that's out there. I mean, it's, an, it's H.R. 1 for a reason. It is their number one priority. I, talk to me about this because, you know, you deal a lot with election integrity, election reform, especially down there in Georgia and across the country. I mean, in essence, they call this access to the ballot box. We put it up on screen. I mean, you know, I'm sorry, but give me a break. Access to the ballot box. I mean, th this would fundamentally change the way elections are done in the United States. I want to get your take on this. Yeah, it would completely change the way elections are done. I call this the Incumbent Protection Act. <laughs> and you know what? If you are elected, the number one thing you're going to try to pass is something that ensures you can get reelected. That's why they want the Incumbent Protection Act to be the first bill out of the House and the first bill out of the Senate. It, it will not make the elections more secure. It will have same-day registration, um, so you, and, and you can actually register to vote on election day. It gets rid of voter ID requirements altogether. You just sign your name. You sign your name when you register to vote. That means you don't even provide a utility bill or anything to prove that you live where you claim to live. You don't have to show a voter ID when you go to vote. So it makes that completely completely gets rid of it. You can say you are whoever you want to say you are and say you live yeah. wherever you want to say you live. And we're not allowed to challenge it. It'll become illegal for us to challenge a voter who we don't think is eligible to vote where they where they claim to live. It, yeah. it, it will make elections much less secure. And it would supersede many of the state laws. That's a, that's the problem, which which raises a constitutional issue. Because down in Georgia, I mean, they're trying to do something down there. What's what's the situation in Georgia? I got about a minute left or so, but uh, you know, th this is the concern that you know they they don't want the states to decide this at all. Right. Today's crossover day in our state legislature, so bills from the House cross to the Senate and vice versa. They're working to to have um, tighter um, voter ID, especially as it relates to absentee ballots. I really want to make sure that they do something that makes it um, that forces a judge to oversee an election contest rather than the delay, delay, delay that we saw happen in 2020 and the early part of this year. So I think that some good things will happen out of the Georgia state legislature, but that will be all completely undone if this um, incumbent protection act becomes the law of the land. Yeah, Jenny Beth Martin, really appreciate you being here, the honorary chairman of Tea Party Patriot uh, Actions. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much.
Thank you, David. Thanks so much. All right. I'd uh, love to have Jenny Beth on the program. Uh, I've known her for a while now, and she's just, I mean, she's in the thick of it, and, and she knows, obviously, she knows her stuff, which uh, <laughs> makes one of us on the show. Uh, by the way, I, let me just say on HR1, something tucked into that bill, it's not even tucked into the bill, it's a pretty obvious part of the bill, which is mail-in voting, as in Literally, Congress would, would federalize sending out mail-in ballot, ballots to everybody in the country. Literally, you're at home, and you come in one day and say, oh, look, honey, there's a ballot in the mail. I mean, you wouldn't have to do a thing. You could eat your Cheetos, fill out your ballot, send it back. That's what's going on. All right. See, this is where we need the sedative uh, jar. I'll take it. David Bossy next. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to the Water Cooler. What's the name of the show? Goodness gracious, I keep forgetting the name. Uh, I've got to have that checked out, uh, by the way. All right, uh, let's put up uh, the latest stuff from Reuters, uh, shall we? Uh, you know, hey, it's Reuters, so take it with a grain of salt. Just kidding. I mean, this, the, the, in this case, they, they've got it correct. U.S. Supreme Court, of course, they have to say the word dumps, but whatever. Uh, dumps, last of Trump's election appeals. So basically, the court, without comment, the U.S. Supreme Court rejected Trump's appeal uh, dealing and challenging thousands of these absentee ballots filed in Wisconsin. Look, this is not uh, any uh, surprising news. Obviously, the uh, Supreme Court was AWOL uh, when it came to November of 2020, and here we are in March of 2021, so we knew this was going to happen. Let's bring in uh, David Bossy, president of Citizens United. David, always great to have you back on the show, sir. Thanks for having me. Uh, what do you make, by the way, of that uh, Supreme Court? Uh, well, without comment, uh, this is not a shock. I mean, uh, they, they're under it's, so much criticism. Yeah, David, it's so disappointing, to be honest, that uh, the United States Supreme Court is, is really AWOL on every one of these cases. And, and really what bothers me is that they allow, they're allowing, um, by not taking action, uh, I may not agree with their final decision at the end, but not taking action allows this to happen again and again. And for it to this to be eroded, uh, meaning our election integrity being eroded even further uh, to the American people by for you know they, they, the American people are very frustrated by what happened in November and and since and I, I got to tell you I, I'm just deep having been to the United States Supreme Court as a plaintiff and having won uh, it's 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 incredibly disappointing to see them just take a pass here. Yeah. Let's uh, move on to Javier Becerra. Uh, obviously, uh, yeah, well, and, you, and you're laughing because someone explained to me how in the world, I mean, I know he's getting criticism, but this record on abortion, uh, not to mention a lot of other issues, I mean, anytime you sue uh, nuns, I mean, hello, that's a problem. So uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about, I know your group is, is pretty active on this, uh, and I want to play a little video of it first, but tell, tell me a little bit about what you're doing uh, on Becerra. Well, Citizens United uh, began an ad campaign in West Virginia uh, this past weekend uh, because we wanted to target uh, Joe Manchin, uh, who is really an incredibly powerful figure in the United States Senate right now. And he could be the one vote that swings it uh, 
to defeat Becerra or maybe have Becerra have to withdraw. Look, Becerra is a left-wing ideologue. He is a radical from California. He is a he is an out-of-control, lawless attorney general, somebody who has ordered uh, uh, the employers in the state to not comply with ICE over the last four years. Yeah. Uh, he is somebody who sues nuns, who is for, uh, you know, really abortion on demand. But really critically right now, he is somebody without any medical background whatsoever mm -hmm. to be the Secretary of Health and Human Services. It is really, it, it, during a global pandemic, Joe Biden pick somebody who is not a doctor, not a scientist, not anyone, right. uh, but a but a left wing ideologue, somebody who is a radical partner of the vice president, Kamala Harris. Yeah, let's play some of this, shall we, uh, David? Uh, this is what your group is running against Manchin. Well, I say against Manchin, but you're running it in West Virginia. So, so have, have a look. I mean, and this is the Joe Biden, the unity candidate, putting up someone like that. Shocking. <laughs> Mr. Unity himself. Uh, you, you watch Becerra's entire career. He's part. He is the swamp. Uh, he is what the American people are so tired of in Washington, D.C. Uh, but the, but Becerra needs to be defeated uh, so that Joe Biden can then pick somebody who is much more mainstream uh, and hopefully is somebody who is a medical professional uh, to be the head of uh, the Department of Health and Human Services. If you look at Becerra's record on China, on Cuba, on human rights, uh, it's abysmal. Uh, it's embarrassing. And how he gets picked is just beyond me. Yeah. Let me uh, turn, uh, before we leave, uh, Roy Blunt announced today that he will no longer uh, be running for uh, Senate in uh, 2022. Uh, so he's done. Uh, th that was interesting to me. Uh, you know, Blunt is a guy uh, who, I mean, look, I don't know what your take on Roy Blunt is, but he's been around for a while. I mean, you know, creature of the swamp. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say anything necessarily negative about him, but, but it is an old guard situation for sure. And I just wonder if this is an opportunity to move the Senate a little bit more towards that, that MAGA, that MAGA feeling, if you will. Well, we're going to have to find a candidate. You know, Senator Blunt for the last four years has been somebody who has helped the president's agenda get through the Senate. He and Mitch McConnell were instrumental in, yeah. in getting 300 plus federal judges plus three Supreme Court justices through. So I, I can I, I, I like you uh, believe Roy Blunt is, is someone of Washington. Um, um, but it's now that he's announced his retirement, it's going to be very important, very important. Uh, that a conservative like Josh Hawley, uh, a conservative uh, who will be uh, for America first uh, and somebody who will support the Make America Great Again motto. I think Missouri is going to send somebody like that, but we have a long way to go to figure out who, who, who's going to come uh, to the top of that field. 
Yeah, I got 30 seconds left. Andrew Cuomo. Does, <laughs> uh, why am I laughing? I shouldn't laugh. It's not a laughing matter. But is he going to survive this? How many scandals does it take for him to him to resign? Isn't the nursing home you know, deaths most enough? Most decent people do resign when when something like this happens. Uh, but clearly, he you know with with the mass de mass deaths in these nursing homes, and now yeah. just this toxic work environment where he's got sexual harassment claim one after the other after the other. Uh, it's a devastating thing for New York, uh, for New York State. And I see that the leaders in the House and Senate in Albany uh, have called for his resignation just yesterday afternoon. I think it's going to be very difficult for Andrew Cuomo to survive. But if anybody can, it's him. Uh, you know, he's a mo he's just an animal. He doesn't. Yeah, he, I, I just don't think he he he, he, good, he cares what other people think. Yeah, no, <laughs> for sure. And I don't know, maybe because he's from New York. All right, uh, <laughs> David Bossy, thanks for joining us, President of Citizens United. Thanks, David. All right, uh, boy, we love to have David on the show, and boy, talk about a wealth of knowledge. He's got quite a bit. When we come back, Rick Klein, ABC News political director, will ask him about Andrew Cuomo and the COVID stimulus bill. Back in a moment. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. Uh, here are two words for you. Budget reconciliation. Uh, you know, that's always a fun conversation around the dinner table. You know, you get the kids around and, and the wife and say, hey, let's talk about budget reconciliation tonight. And they say, yeah, that, what are you talking about? So stop it. Uh, but someone I'd love to talk about budget reconciliation with is Rick Klein, uh, ABC News's political director. Rick, great to see you, sir. Thank you, David. Good to be with you. Well, budget reconciliation, Democrats, they've done it. They're in the process of doing it. They, they went with the whole $1.9 trillion enchilada. What's the, uh, what's the sense now? I mean, obviously, we're going we're gonna to get a bill. They're going to get a bill on Biden's desk, I'm assuming, what, later this week? I mean, it has to go through the House, obviously. Yeah, the House is going to have to approve it again. And there were some changes that the moderate Democrats uh, were able to, to get into the bill, uh, maybe scaling back some of the benefits and taking out things like the minimum wage. But the bottom line is uh, the bill passed the Senate with all 50 Democrats sticking together, no Republican support at all, just like in the House, no Republicans. So this wasn't an inevitable path. I think there were a lot of points along the way where this could have gone south for Democrats. There were also points along the way where it looked like there might be a bipartisan bill that emerged out of either the House or the Senate or both. Neither of those things happened. And ultimately, um, I think a, a, an abject lesson in how elections have consequences, the Democrats uh, were able to pass this because they had the votes to pass it, period. Well, that's right. And, and also, this is the signature bill, or at least the, the one to begin with, I should say. And, and so, you know, Democrats like Manchin, uh, it's, you know, he kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit, fussed a little bit, and, and got some of that uh, money down a little bit as it relates to unemployment benefits. But the truth of the matter, and the minimum wage is gone, but the truth of the matter is, is that Democrats had to have this one, right? I mean, the, the, this was the one, and, and then I wonder about Manchin going forward and how much he might be a thorn uh, in the side to Democrats. Yeah, I think the, the, the message from uh, President Biden and, and on through the White House was that this was the A number one priority, and if you can't agree on this, then it would have been a devastating blow to the Biden presidency and to trying to address the biggest priority that, uh, that, that this or any White House has really faced. And look, I mean, there, there were aspects of this bill that, that had probably unanimous support. I think the price tag is what 
uh, turned a lot of Republicans on it, but I saw a bunch of statements from Republicans lauding some of the things in this bill, things like getting money to schools and money for vaccinations, uh, money to even, even some aspects of money to, to individuals. That was something that President Trump wanted uh, before the before the Georgia election uh, earlier this year. So uh, the, the the goals here, I think, were pretty clear for Democrats. And I think you're right that the, the, the consequence of a loss here would have been pretty devastating, uh, both politically and policy wise for a country that's just you know, beginning to see some glimmers of optimism, but uh, realizing that we're not out of the woods in terms of the disease or in terms of the economic impact. Rick, uh, the Republicans had a talking point out there, starting from McCarthy on down in the House and also in the Senate with McConnell, that this, what, at 9 percent, what is it, about 9 percent or so uh, is, is related to COVID and the rest of it is just economic stimulus stuff? I mean, did you guys at ABC ever break that down? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm trying to see inside those numbers. I mean, clearly there's a lot of stuff in here that's more economic stimulus related than it is specifically tied to COVID. Well, there's no question that this was a lot broader than just let's cure the disease. And I think that what the Democrats tried to say is like, look, this is a holistic problem here that is filtered down through all aspects of society and uh, taking care, helping out bar and restaurant owners, helping out schools, helping out states and cities that have had holes blown in their budgets. That is COVID related. They were even arguing, as you know, David, that uh, that raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour would ensure uh, that people can get back on their feet more quickly. That went by the wayside. But they just, they decided to, to look at the crisis very holistically, very broadly, uh, not just about what's a targeted thing we can do to try to cure the disease, but package it all together, get what they could uh, in terms of broader priorities that involve uh, the economy. We've seen every aspect of society impacted by COVID-19. And I think that's why Biden decided to try to go big with this first bill. He appears to have succeeded. Rick, uh, you mentioned crisis. I want to quickly switch over to Andrew Cuomo. Uh, how, how do you think, any, any sense of how this ends? I, I mean, you just got to wonder. Yeah. I mean, we talked, what was it, about a week, week and a half ago about this, and it just felt like a drip, drip, drip scenario. He seems to be steadfast and that he's not going anywhere. Uh, but, but at some point, I mean, now you have more Democrats in New York coming out against some big-time Democrats, too. Uh, but, but that's in the state of New York. I, I, I haven't really heard many national Democrats ask for his resignation other than just simply saying, let's let the investigation play out. Yeah, and look, even if they were to come out, that wouldn't force Andrew Cuomo's hand. Sure. Nothing short of impeachment is going to force him out. Uh, he never, he didn't have many friends to begin with inside his own party. He has found out how few are really there. And to have major state Senate, uh, the state Senate president, uh, among others, now saying, that, uh, that he should go. Uh, obviously, he hears it. He has been responding to it pretty consistently. We've continued to see other information uh, come out that uh, that's damaging to him. To me, David, I think the threshold question for him is, does he want to run again? Because he is not term limited in New York. He can run as many times as he wants. He's up for what would be a fourth term, which would uh, break the record of three terms that he, that he shares with his father. Uh, does he try to do that? I think that opens up uh, a whole host of challenges to Andrew Cuomo over the next 18 months. If, on the other hand, he says, look, I'm going to serve the rest of my time as governor a little less than two years. I'm going to do my best for the people of New York. I'm going to do my best to address the COVID crisis. That, um, according to some of the polling, would, would be where New Yorkers are right now. Uh, I just don't think the national Democrats look, they, they can certainly be stronger than they've been, but I don't think that there are even, even factors in his mind right now. Uh, that's not how he draws his support. It really is in Albany and for the people in New York. So, so you're saying that could be the middle ground here, if you will, not a full on resignation, but to say I'll serve out my term and, and I'll see in the future at some point. If yeah, I've got to think the Cuomo camp is thinking through, you know, how do you how do you ride out? How do you survive this? And if you signal now, OK, I'm going to do this job for the next year and a half. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ride out my my time. 
uh, that potentially is uh, enough to, to, to buy yeah. him a little bit of space. But I do think it matters a lot what the investigation turns up. The New York State Attorney General uh, is in charge of this investigation. There's no Cuomo loyalists that are part of it, unlike what he wanted. Uh, and, and if there's more damaging information that, that comes out, maybe that changes the equation. That's the one aspect that I think uh, is, is, un is unknowable and uncontrollable for Governor Cuomo. Yeah, as we wrap up here, Rick, uh, Joe Biden, you know, he, he talked about running uh, not just uh, on a unity candidate, but he talked about kind of had being the moral clarity candidate. Uh, and, and now with the hashtag Me Too movement and Democrats, and we haven't heard anything from Joe Biden. I mean, we've heard, you know, something from Jen Psaki, but I'm talking about from Joe Biden, and that speaks volumes. I, I'm just... You would th it seems to me like a political opportunity lost if he's going to lead on this, but, but clearly the White House doesn't want to get anywhere near this story. Uh, look, I think that's right. I don't think there's any great love between uh, Governor Cuomo and President Biden, uh, fr frankly, although they've said nice things about each other in the past. And uh, we, we heard that from Joe Biden early on, holding out that leadership. They're not particularly allied. Uh, so it's not, it's not a question of you know, protecting a friend so much right now. I think it's just it's a tenuous time inside, inside the Democratic Party. And I think there's a lot of Democrats are also who are cognizant of when scandals like this break for Democrats, how it's handled versus for Republicans. Uh, and there is, there's a, frankly, there is, I think there is a double standard that Democrats have applied for themselves. They've, they've held themselves out to a different standard, and I think that's a factor in their minds. Yeah. Rick Klein, appreciate the uh, straight shooting. As always, sir, you're the best. Appreciate you. David. All right. It's Rick Klein. Uh, comes with the bookcase, by the way. Uh, it is not sold separately. I believe, Madison, I'm not mistaken, you can get the whole ensemble on Amazon. This is Rick selling it. No, just kidding. Rick's not selling anything on Amazon. All right, uh, back in a moment with Congressman Michael Waltz about the Beijing Olympics and a boycott on the way. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, when you think of China, uh, here's a word that comes to mind, nefarious. So you put those two together and then you put uh, into uh, action a resolution potentially to ban or basically have Beijing no longer host the 2022 Olympics. And you have our next guest, uh, Congressman Michael Waltz, uh, with us uh, from the swamp, not the Florida swamp, but the D.C. swamp, but he represents the good state or the district down there in Florida, St. Augustine area. Uh, Congressman, great to have you on the show, sir. Hey, good to be with you. Thanks, David. Well, tell me a little bit about this press release that you put out uh, just recently uh, about China and Beijing in 2022. Uh, we have it there. Uh, basically, you're introducing this resolution urging a boycott. Why don't you explain a little further about it? Well, this didn't just come out of the blue. It's actually been building for some time. Senator Rick Scott from Florida has been uh, requesting for over a year now that the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, move the games. And I want to be clear to everyone, that's the preference. Move the games out of Beijing, move them to another city, rebid them so that our athletes uh, can compete. But just 11 months away now, it's become clear that the IOC is not going to move the games, unfortunately. And so we're now calling a boycott. Uh, how can we send our athletes there? How can we have the American flag flying in Beijing when they've covered up uh, a global pandemic? They arrested journalists, arrested doctors, wouldn't allow either the CDC or the WHO to come really understand uh, what was going on with the COVID virus, two million dead and counting. And now we have mounting evidence of an ongoing genocide uh, that is happening as we speak with the Uyghur Muslims uh, in Western China being sent to concentration camps, slave labor, a mass campaign of uh, sterilization for Uyghur women. Uh, and now the BBC is reporting on mass rape 
uh, and torture going on. You know, again, that's on top of what they've done in Hong Kong and stamping out freedom to yeah. Tibetan Buddhists, on and on uh, with Chinese Communist Party abuses. How can we give them that global platform to whitewash everything they're doing and to further their propaganda? I'd argue that we can't, and we're calling on uh, the U.S. Olympic Committee and calling on the Biden administration uh, to pull our athletes back at this point. And Congressman, I've got to tell you, if you and I both listen closely, well, there, there they are, the crickets. I hear crickets uh, from the <laughs> Biden administration. I, they've been relatively silent. The, the, the president himself, I haven't heard him say one word uh, literally about this in public. Yeah, his, his press spokeswoman, Jen Psaki, has said they're still thinking about it. But meanwhile, it's not just us. It's 180 human rights, 180 human rights organizations agree it should be boycotted. Uh, the head of the Canadian Conservative Party uh, also agrees. Uh, Justin Trudeau abstained, by the way, uh, the prime minister of Canada. Uh, so this is about calling out, you know, those that think, uh, I guess, social justice only applies here in the United States. It applies around the world. Uh, and it certainly applies when billions of dollars are going to go into Beijing uh, uh, for, for these games. We have uh, demanded that NBC not broadcast them. Uh, and all of these companies that, you know, uh, again, believe, I guess, that, that they're only going to be dedicated to social justice here in the United States, NBC, Nike, uh, uh, Coca-Cola, Adidas, they all stand to benefit, and in fact, reports are showing that over 80 international brands uh, are benefiting from the slave labor that's coming out of Western China. Enough is enough. Yeah. Uh, you know, put put your money where your mouth is, so to speak, uh, and stand up for what is right. And and we need to move these games. And if we can't move them, we need to boycott them. Well, Congressman, I thought Joe Biden, I, I, I read, I, I saw what he was saying. He said he was a voice of moral clarity. I mean, in essence, he can't, right. that's what he said he was going to do. How in the world do you turn a blind eye to this? I, I'm also curious about uh, Nancy Pelosi in the House. I mean, OK, you're a Republican. It's a resolution. They control the House. But why? In the, how, how is there not bipartisan, full bipartisan support for this? Well, there should be. And we're going to continue to call out the hypocrisy on it, not just with those uh, big companies and big techs, uh, tech companies, but uh, Democrats and others as well uh, that, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> say they're for human rights. But let's see. Let's see when it comes to something as big uh, and as momentous as the Olympic Games, then let's, you know, again, let's let's walk the walk, not just talk the talk. And then we have to look at this from a geopolitical standpoint as well. A lot of people will point back to 1980 and say that didn't really do it uh, much good. But I look back at you know moments in history when we didn't take a stand around the Olympics and the legitimacy uh, that it confers on these uh, um, autocratic regimes. Mm -hmm. If you look at 1936, we all know what Germany did after those games. Uh, a lot of folks don't realize that just months after the Sochi games in Russia, Putin invaded Crimea and invaded Ukraine. And Beijing just had the games in 2008, made all kinds of promises yep. that they would improve their uh, records. And yet they've been marching across the South China Sea. They've invaded Hong Kong, yeah. genocide going on. I worry what's going to happen after 22 is Taiwan next.
Well, and you just also wonder about these athletes, obviously. Uh, many of the, the opponents of a boycott say it's not the athletes, obviously. It's not their fault, and, and they shouldn't be caught up in all of this. But what do you, what do you say to that? Well, I hate it for the athletes. Again, I wish the IOC would step up to yeah. its own values and its own code of ethics and move the games. But, you know, I have to ask those same athletes. If the United States were putting a million Muslims in concentration camps, would you be wanting to compete in the games? Uh, I guarantee you many of them would not. And, and I'm sorry, sports and politics got intermingled uh, just a few years ago in some very big ways. Uh, and this is about being consistent with your values. I don't see how the U.S. Olympic Committee can ask those athletes to turn a blind eye to what's going on. Uh, and yeah. at a minimum, we're going to shine a big spotlight on this. And by the way, uh, Mike Pompeo is on board. Newt Gingrich uh, and I have an op-ed coming out on this. Uh, this thing is gaining steam. And, uh, you know, again, we're going we're gonna to force the administration to live up to its rhetoric. Yeah, definitely gaining steam. Congressman, really appreciate uh, your time here on the show and, and an important uh, resolution that you've introduced. So really appreciate your time. All right. Thank you so much, David. I salute you. All right. Congressman Waltz uh, there down in Florida. I got to tell you, oh, uh, you know, he called it communi uh, co uh, communist uh, co or excuse me, concentration camps with the Uyghur Muslims. You know what the Chinese call it? Re-education camps. Yeah. Where have I heard that before? Hey, all you have to do is open up an encyclopedia. Sorry, Gen Zers. I said it. An encyclopedia. You might want to Google what an encyclopedia is and look it up and look up the word re-education. Yeah. You know what that's code for. We're back in a moment with The Last Set. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Time for, mm, love that, oh, punch that, The Last Sip. This is where I give my uh, analysis, my take of the day. <laughs> like, I'm not giving you my take of the day, by the way, throughout the whole show. But, you know, we got a little pithy segment. The Last Sip. We love this segment. Don't get me wrong. Did I call it pithy? My bad. All right, you know what we do in this pithy segment? We do, sometimes we do this, the poll of the day. The water cooler. Poll of the day. I met with that guy over the weekend. Great guy. Actually, I don't even know who he is. All right, here is the poll of the day. Uh, put on your reading glasses here. Would you favor or oppose an election reform bill that would prevent states from requiring a photo ID before voting and prevent states from cleaning voter registration lists by removing people who had moved or died? So believe it or not, 21% actually strongly favor preventing states from requiring a photo ID before voting. 20% somewhat favor it. And then, of course, you get into the opposition saying, give me a break. 13% oppose it. 33% strongly oppose it. And, and there's the old 14% not sure. That, Madison, by the way, is our new focus group, the 14% not sure. We have got to, you know, I don't know if I want to be around not sure people. You know, do, do you like uh, vanilla or chocolate? Not sure. You know, anyhow, I don't, don't get me started on them. All right, look, it's interesting to look at this poll. Can we put the numbers up again? Because what, what's interesting, there's a lot to kind of sift through here. But if you actually look at the poll, 46%, uh, that's the somewhat opposed and the strongly opposed, 46% actually oppose and an election reform bill that would prevent states from requiring a photo ID. In other words, they want a photo ID. They want to make sure we have clean voter registration lists. That's 46%. What's interesting to me, though, look at 41%, the 21 and the 20. 41% actually are okay with no 
voter ID in essence, and they're okay with not cleaning uh, the voter rolls up. Here's my question, why exactly? So my question is to the 41% of Americans in that poll, and maybe there's 40% of people watching this show, I don't know, uh, that are okay with not having voter ID. Look, if you look at polls across the country, voter ID is a given as, an, as it relates to most people want voter ID. Why? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with, let me think, oh, integrity. That's right, integrity. Because, like, you're Jane Doe, but you show up with uh, John, John Doe's uh, voter ID, and uh, that wouldn't make sense. Therefore, you couldn't vote. Come on, folks. This is so simple. What am I missing? And don't give me voter suppression. Don't give me any of that. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Let's get the latest on JustTheNews.com headlines and a few other stories. Uh, Joe Weber, uh, join us, senior writer for JustTheNews.com. By the way, I like how they call you senior writer. Uh, they're not trying to suggest anything about your age in that title, are they? I'm just double-checking, Joe. No senior moment here, no. <laughs> okay, because I like to be called senior anchor if that's the case. Uh, hey, Joe, tell me about Roy Blunt. I mean, that's big news, obviously, that he's not going uh, to leave. It really is. I can't say that uh, I didn't see it coming, but I can't. I also can't say I'm not surprised by it. You know, he's he's been around a long time, as Dave uh, Bossy had mentioned earlier on your show. I said the arguably, you know, a creature of Washington, but I would argue more. He's been a very reliable um, lawmaker, politician, congressional member, uh, leader for the Republican Party. If you remember, uh, he was handpicked. He was uh, to run for Kit Bond seat when it was opened up in 2010. He won that pretty handily. And then he sort of comes up in the 2016 race. He comes up against this guy named Jason Kander, that Afghan army veteran who assembled a rifle blindfolded. And uh, he was kind of in trouble. And he couldn't get the 50 percent. And he continued back Trump. He was loyal, very loyal to him. He finally wins it by just 3 percent. He becomes part of the um, inauguration committee. And it seemed to me that maybe he was really going to hitch his wagon to President Trump. But that never really happened. I think he was loyal to him. But he wasn't sort of a, you know, what you'd call like a leading voice on the Hill, someone like a Jim Jordan for, for yeah. President Trump, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. And I've got about 30 seconds left, but you know, this is interesting about GOP leadership because uh, Blunt was in leadership. You've got John Thune yeah. up in 2022. What's your sense? I mean, Republicans are going to have an interesting uh, go here. I saw an interesting story about like, you know, the value of having Trump, you know, still a presence when you're running for reelection. And you know, as well as I do, you've got to try to please leadership. You try to Please your constituents. You try to, you know, vote on your own moral conscience, and then you have Trump in the background. I'm not reading Roy Blunt's mind, but I got to imagine that he was just like, wow, there's just just so many different sort of, you know, factors coming into this one. And Thune will have the same challenge, and everybody else. He makes the fourth. I think he's the. There's four others who have already said they're not going to be in it. Real quick, Toomey, uh, Shelby, Richard Burr, who has his own problem um, with re-election, yeah. and then Fort Yeah, Joe Weber. Appreciate you being here. Thank you so Thanks much. For having All right. Joe Weber, justthenews.com. All right. Tomorrow on the show, another fun, fun. It's always fun, uh, but it's packed tomorrow. Marjorie Taylor Greene will be here on the show tomorrow. Also, Congressman Greg Stubbe talking about his face off with Gerald Nadler about God in America. Wait till you see this. <laughs> see you tomorrow.